Have you ever wondered how banks make credit decisions? Well, if you have, chances are you have inadvertently run into Bob Coleman. Bob is one of the primary sources that banks turn to for information on making credit decisions. He has been providing actionable data to lending institutions for nearly 30 years. It was a fascinating conversation about small business and where it's heading and other factors affecting small businesses. So enjoy my conversation with Bob Coleman. Today, 80% of businesses don't sell. To be a part of the 20% that do, and at maximum value, you'll need a successful strategy. Welcome to the Defenders of Business Value podcast, where we interview today's top professional advisors who help business owners create, preserve, and most importantly, transfer value. If you want actionable tips that will increase your business value, stay tuned. The podcast starts now. I'm your host, Ed Meisigland. I teach business owners how to identify and remove risks in their business that scares buyers and reduces value so that they can sell their business at maximum value when they want, how they want, and to whom they want. On today's show, I'd like to welcome Bob Coleman. Bob Coleman is the author of Money, Money Everywhere and Not a Drop for Main Street. He is the founder of the Coleman Publishing a publisher of newsletters, reports, data, and producers of conferences, webinars, and online training videos to help finance professionals become small business lending experts. Bob is the nationally recognized expert on small business financing. He has appeared frequently on Fox Business News, NPR, and numerous other media outlets. He is sourced by all print media, including the Wall Street Journal and Bloomberg. He is a frequent speaker about small business lending throughout the United States and the European Union. Bob has a BA in Medieval History from the University of California, Santa Barbara, and an MBA in Real Estate Finance from the University of Southern California. His passion is getting capital to Main Street and rural American business. So, Bob, welcome to the show. And thank you very much. I'm glad to be on, and I am doing what I love to do, and that's talk to small business Main Street street entrepreneurs. So thank you very much for allowing me this platform. It's been a long time coming. I've, uh, like I told you in the pre in the pre-show, I I've been looking forward to, uh, connecting with you and I'm, I'm just glad that I, I finally have a platform to do that. So you've been doing this for how long has the Coleman report been coming out? I guess first, why don't you tell the, our audience what the Coleman report is and then a little bit of background, how you got into it. Sure. I started in 1993. I was a banker and I thought, how difficult would it be to write? And I, there was no industry newsletter. And I said, oh, that's got to be easy. So I started writing a legacy newsletter from 93. And then something called the internet came along and I had to change my model very quickly because that newsletter model of getting bankers to pay for your newsletter, I think I charged back in the day, 395 bucks. Uh, that was going bye-bye. So over the years, I've developed into online training. We do a lot of webinars, a lot of uh, classes online, sell a lot of data. And we still do a daily email about small business lending. Well, I'll tell you, one of my, one of my favorite ones is, uh, is uh, the fraud episode. Or the fraud fraud Friday. Uh, fraud, <laughs> fraud Friday. Just want to see. Uh, Everyone says that. Everyone loves it. Train wreck. So, but it's 
And, and by the way, uh, I'll give, give a pitch for myself. All this stuff's free. It's a daily email. And I talk about small business lenders who commit fraud and small business borrowers who uh, take advantage of lenders. So there's, there's a lot of stuff in there while there's, while there's some tongue-in-cheek. And everyone has that common thing. And everyone just shakes their head. How could these people think they could get away with it? You know what? Like I like I told you. I mean, I've been I've been in the business for a long time, and 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 you do you you sit there and you're like, you know, how did this get by all these people? Or better yet, why right. you know it screws things up for the for the rest of the the for small, all of it. Yeah, yeah that, absolutely. That is, that is, yeah. So how do you? I mean, you're aggregating so much data. I mean, that's one of the 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 beauties of. Um, of the Coleman report is because you have so much data there. What, I mean, how are you staying on top of all of that? Well, the way I explain it is I get to spend a lot of time reading, talking to some fascinating people who are a hell of a lot smarter than I. And when you think about concentrating on that, I, I, it's, it's just simply, I put in a lot of time that a lot of other people don't do. You mentioned my undergraduate degree in medieval studies, which I love, but one of the things they teach you as a historian is to put everything into context, and you have all these original sources. And therefore, there's a lot of stuff that comes out. And what I try to do for my readers is to put stuff into context on, hey, this is really important, and this, this is a trend you need to be aware of. I guess speaking of trends, I mean, what are, what are you seeing as far as the lending landscape of today? Great question. There's back 10 years ago when I wrote my book, the issue was, is it the demand or supply question? And back during the recession, it was the supply issue that lenders simply were not making small business loans. Now that has flipped. So today it is truly a demand issue. There's a lot of supply out there. There's a lot of new lenders, fintech lenders, a lot of new lenders who want to get into the small business lending niche. And the primary reason is it is a profitable asset for a lender. And lenders, um, when you're dealing with the corporate big boys, that's all rate sensitive and you got markets. That, but the small business lending is still very um, niche and you need to have a very good relationship with a small business banker who's willing to make these types of loans. And, you know, and one of the questions people ask me, and I don't have a good answer for what is a small business? Is it some people say you have to have at least one employee and revenues up to $2 million. And people say, Oh no, no, no. As long as you have less than 500 people working for you and you can have sales up to $25 million. So it's, it's all over the board. But in this particular niche, there, in my opinion, there's still a lot of supply, and this is a good time for Main Street entrepreneurs to be seeking financing. And one of the other trends that we notice is that your audience is a lot smarter than they were 10 years ago. And that is evidenced by small business loan portfolios. You're at an all-time historical performance levels, and that's another reason why there's a lot of demand. Um, we're not back in the recession where um, Bank of America CEO said our, our small business loan portfolio is a damn disaster. Um, the world has simply changed in the last 10 years. So you had mentioned niches. I mean, do you think 
when you look at all the all the lenders that are subscribing and 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 consuming your content what do you think that it's better to like for example we i was talking to an insurance agent some insurance agents today and they're looking at buying you know a uh, another competitor and they have one one lender that they're going to versus going to you know a, a general practitioner is there a is there a difference or do you do you think that there's a difference between S, just normal SBA versus you know this is all I do dental practices insurance agencies and so on and so forth absolutely lenders are um, have found out the saying riches and niches and so you have some lenders who uh, want to do difficult stuff I have one lender that all they want to do are gas stations and see stores because he said, you know, they, they, they get the three food for the three food sources. They get their nicotine, their caffeine, and their alcohol in the same, same spot. And others have other lenders who won't touch it. But this lender has become an expert on how to finance gas stations, which is very difficult. You have other lenders who just don't want to do franchise. You mentioned dentists, veterinarians. Uh, and so absolutely the problem in today's landscape for your listeners is you got to make sure you're matching up with the lender who has an appetite for the type of transaction that's being presented. As an aside, I, I, I enjoy talking about your business. 57% of baby boomers are going to want to sell their company in the next five years. So that makes a lot of opportunity for, for lenders. No, it, it does. And, and speaking of which, the, as you're interviewing for a banker or when you, you have a deal, and you're look or or you're looking for working capital or for whatever reason you're going to the bank. I mean, what does I guess what is the what does a banker need to look like, and how can you size somebody up quickly? Because I think ultimately the 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 business owner is just sitting there. You know, I don't have time for this. I I need to get it right, right the first time. Right. It's similar to buying a car. You go into buying a car and you're at a disadvantage in negotiating with the dealer because guess what. They sell cars all day long, and you buy a car with every three or four years. So you're you're immediately going with it with a bad hand. And the same with the banker. These bankers make loans all day long, and they're looking at a lot of transactions, a lot of difficult transactions. And so, unfortunately, I don't have the magic solution to how do you size up a banker, other than you've, you've got to put in some shoe leather and, and knock on some doors. I will tell you one thing, and this is probably one of my takeaways is make sure you understand what type of financing you're in. And the classic one is a hotel owner. A lot of hotel owners think that these are commercial real estate loans. No, they're not. They're small business loans. And so if you go in there and say, Hey, I'm going to put 20% down on this hotel and expect to get financing, you're going to have issues. So try to do that. And the best thing I guess I would do is when you're talking to these lenders, say, hey, have you done this type of transaction in the past? And, you know, I don't need to know names, but have you done a business acquisition loan with SBA uh, for $2 million? And fortunately for SBA, you can go to their database and you can run the data to say, oh, in a year out of Indiana, out of Indianapolis, uh, the largest SBA lender there did X number of loans for an average loan size of $1.1 million. And that gives you somewhat of a sense of what the lender's appetite is. And you can also see the NAICS code, et cetera, et cetera, as well as interest rate, as well as interest rate. 
So is that if if I'm a if I'm a business owner and I'm looking for financing, is there one source to other than I know you said shoe leather, but is there is there an online source that's that has a directory of you know these are these these are uh, great lenders for or I shouldn't say great lenders these are lenders that are. Uh, good for gas stations, hotels, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's called the Cone Report. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> that's what I'm. That's what I was looking for. Okay. Uh, there you go. That. But you know, you got you got to give me a little bit tougher softballs or tougher. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. No, but we go through and we and we just turn the data. We just did a report about the top ten hotel lenders around the country, top ten C store restaurants, and I think the largest one is a Korean bank called Noah Bank. And so, you know, right there, okay, if you want to get a hotel, that's where you're going. If you want to get a franchise, if you want to finance uh, a new franchise, you can see all the um, the largest lender to a particular franchise. So that that is that is free. That's online. Now, it's an unwieldy spreadsheet. I wouldn't recommend that you do that, but I recommend that you hire, um, you know, the nerd next door who knows how to play with Excel. Say, hey, and, and, they can, and, and it costs it cost you a pizza. I mean, this is not sure. typical stuff. I got you. So I was telling in the, in when we were beginning this, I was telling you the, the pain I was going through consulting with a couple of guys that are trying to buy a, a, an insurance company. And they've mm-hmm. been, they've been at this for eight months and they're, they're in financing. And so why does it take so long for a bank to approve a business loan? The analogy I'd like to use is a real estate development project. And you start off with the, the business development officer, the salesperson, and they have an idea. Okay, we're going to acquire, uh, we're going to finance this business acquisition loan. It then goes to the underwriter. And so the BDO is more of the property uh, developer. The BDO is the architect. Excuse me, the underwriter is the architect. And they craft a credit memo which says, this is how we're going to build this asset for the bank. Then it has, and the problem the underwriter has it is they have to write that for 18 different, 20 different people. They have to write it for their boss, for a loan committee, a smaller institution, board of directors. And then you have to start writing it for the regulators. You have myriad regulators who are going to be reviewing this. You have to write it for your CPA when you get audited. If it's an SBA loan, you got to write it for SBA. And then you also have to write it for your outside credit review people. So there's a lot of different questions that have to be answered for all of those entities. Okay. Well, but I mean, as the business owner, you know, and these guys, I mean, the typical cycle, I shouldn't, or the, the typical, here's how you do it or the way they came to me is that, look, we're giving them the, the purchase agreement, our financial statements and a, a business plan. Is there anything else that you can augment to that, that will, that will make the banker's job easier or get, I get would, you, yeah, get you closer to a, a yes or a no. Yeah. I would be very specific with the amount of money you want to borrow that seems to be once you start changing that, oh, we're going to do this or that or this, that causes challenges for the lender. I would also be very specific when you say a business plan. I would, 
encourage you to clearly understand where the revenues are and you have that solid in your mind and you're easily able to convey that to, to the institution. So I would just make it as simple as possible for the lender. Um, be very specific on, I'm going to buy X, I'm going to buy this company. I'm going to, I need to uh, maybe buy a building. I need to renovate it. I need to hire more people, whatever, whatever the transaction is say, and I can do this all for X. Also, the other thing is be very, very clear to the lender on where the equity is coming from and what the down payment is. And uh, so I, I would just, just make it very, very simple for the lender to understand the transaction. The more complicated you get, all of a sudden now we have three or four different entities and we have, uh, and, and, and the lender needs to have that complete picture. If you have an entity with say, let's say you have five corporations, I would strongly encourage you to ha have your CPA consolidate all of that on a cash flow basis so the lender can clearly see what's happening. The problem is that you have multiple transactions and you have interaffiliate transactions. The lender's eyes is going to glaze over. And if they don't get that one piece of information, which I don't know the specific instance you're talking about, but I suspect it's been dragging on because one of the financials, one of the corporations, there's something that the lender doesn't understand. And so they keep on going back to more and more information. So I'm going way too long with the answer. Then just make it simple. Break it all down and say, here's everything consolidated. This is what the cash flow looks like. This is where all the sources of cash are. And this is what we're going to be very specific on what we're going to do with the money. I got you. So the the funny thing with, with these guys is that they were, as they're looking at um, doing the deal, I mean, they're and, and, and what they didn't understand with the lender is that, you know, like you said, simplicity will get the deal done. In their case, they're like, well, look, my entity, my entity, there's two of them. Each of them want to form their own entity to capitalize the new entity to right. borrow from, to borrow from the, um, from the bank. The problem is I've got one guy that, that has, you know, a WBE, uh, uh, status. So, uh, it was a veteran business owner. And uh -huh. so we've got all kinds of complexities that, that just dove, you know, right out of the gate. And the, the, Actually, the underlying problem was that these guys, you know, it, there was a mistrust going into it. So, and that's what I was saying to to them is uh, along the same lines of what you were you were saying is that how do you expect a bank to to make a decision if the two of you can't make a decision? Yeah, where you're at. So, and unfortunately, bankers half of the bankers are above average performers, and half of bankers are below average performers, <laughs> and and that's that's an issue. And one of the common errors bankers don't make, in fact, I do this in training is go to a fast. No, don't hang someone out. If you're not going to do it, save yourself a lot of grief, get to the fast. No, shake everyone's hand and just move on for that. And that's easy for all parties involved. Yeah. And, and the funny thing is, and I'm certain you, in, in your practice, you do the same that, I mean, time kills all deals and just, yeah. It, yeah. it kills us to, to uh, stay in 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 uh, circling circling the runway, waiting waiting right. for someone to make a decision. And especially the longer it goes on. Now we're in June, 
And this started, what, eight months ago. So we didn't have year-end financials or tax returns. Now, of course, in June, the lender was going to want to see those year-end financials. They're going to want to see the tax returns. They may be an extension, which is common. And it, it, that's, it, it, it's, it's difficult. I wish I had an easy solution for that other than um, to just try to break it down so it's simple. That's my best advice. So why do... I guess what what is the number one reason that that business businesses fail? Lack of cash. Lack of cash or lack of management of cash. I no lack of cash. That's and that I know that's fairly simplistic, but at the end of the day, if you can't meet payroll and there's no money in the bank, you have a problem. And yeah, now there's a lot of reasons why they may not have cash in the bank management lack of access to capital, lack of a, of a good banking relationship. But what I train my bankers, let, let's, let's again, keep it simple. The reason why businesses close is they don't have money to, to pay your loan, to pay the rent, to pay the payroll taxes. They're out of cash. And, and I guess along, from uh, along those same lines, so we see a lot of business owners that come in and they're, they're strapped for cash. And, right. and they're... Uh, their option is look i want i want to sell my i want to sell my company and and they don't understand how it impairs the sale process by being right. in that situation so what's the worst thing you can do when you're having cash flow problems like that cuz i'm i'm certain this started for a lot of these business owners this this cash flow challenge started early on the worst thing is um, the old advice is when you're in a hole, stop digging. And I would rather have someone, entrepreneurs make a mistake. Once they get in, into a bind, a cash flow bind, then it escalates and then bad things can happen. I tell a story, a friend of mine um, had a nice, nice business and he stopped paying his payroll taxes. Well, now he's behind $2 million dollars. And of course, the bank kicked him out. So now he goes to a lower tier factoring company, and then they basically seized everything, and it destroyed his business. It destroyed his health. He had a stroke. So you need to have some smart people to say, okay, you know, we don't want to give up. We want to keep going. But once you start stop, you know, payroll tax liability that doesn't go away, and that's going to follow you to to your grave. So you need to solve. Once you start missing payroll, you start missing loan payments, um, you may have to have a difficult conversation with uh, your partners, with your spouses, with your employees. I got him. The, I guess, you know, when we, when we see these companies that, that show up in, in that situation, I mean, it's, it's always, it, it, it's always troubling to us because it's like a domino. I mean, it's hard. It, Oh, once you start going down that path, it's, yeah. it's you're not going to get the financing. And that's why they always say, um, as former SBA administrator, Linda McMahon, uh, tells this great story. Obviously, she and her husband started WWE, wildly successful, became uh, multimillionaires. And she, when she goes around the country, she always says, pay attention to your cash. Never, never lose that. You mentioned Fraud Friday, one of the most common reasons that a business owner will get themselves in trouble is they have a long-term trusted employee who's been there for 10, 15 years 
and then they find out sadly that person's ripped them off and the business closes. So even though, look, and being, being an entrepreneur is hard. You've got to be a renaissance man. See how I tied in my medieval studies there. <laughs> I did. Nice. Uh, yeah, I, I, I apologize for the word man. You need to be a renaissance person and you need to be an expert in all this stuff. Now, you don't need to know accounting backwards and forwards, but you need to at least um, know where you are, where's your cash, what are your accounts receivable, and you're reviewing that on a daily basis. And you're following the trends and be, and make sure that you have sufficient cash in the bank. Yeah. I mean, when, when we're counseling these business owners, you know, we, we say, look, you know, here's, here's the issue. It's, there's two checks that the buyer is going to write to one is for the business and the other is right. for the working capital. And you need to understand how they're interrelated. And mm-hmm. yeah, I can't tell you how many times business owners are like, what do you mean? And it's like, Oh my goodness. How, and it's amazing that, you know, they've built successful businesses without understanding how the flow of cash goes through the business. But, uh, yeah. And you have to learn it. You have to learn it. You have wonderful entrepreneurs who are, uh, they know how to manufacture this widget and they got the manufacturing process down and they know how to take care of their employees. But as you say, then all of a sudden, um, they get a huge contract for Walmart and they go, Oh great. It's going to increase their sales. Well, the caveat for lenders is you come into the bank, say, Hey, I'm going to double my sales. That's a red flag to the lender because all right, you have to double your sales. Uh, that takes money to do that. And, uh, uh, what's your equity? Are you asking me to do that? Et cetera. Et cetera. So unfortunately you have to do that. Now I will give you one, um, takeaway, which is I'm a huge fan of. There's something out there called a small business development center usually attached to colleges they these people are good professionals they're good mentors and this is more more for more of a startup help people write a business plan but that's free obviously you need to have a good relationship with the cpa and et cetera et cetera but if you don't have those skills do that score they offer great classes on how to do Excel spreadsheet or whatever, and they charge a whole $25, $30. So take advantage of that stuff. Yeah, and, and the funny thing is my alma mater at Butler University, I mean, the SBDC uh, is is tied to them, and, and they're they're doing really good really good work, and there's, they're, they're doing a good job at making themselves known in the communities because, I mean, we – Yeah, and not to be – I'm sorry, I cut you off. And not to be anti-loan broker, but any anytime someone knocks on your door and says, hey, I can get you a loan, but I need a check for 10, 20 grand up front, uh, I would be very, very leery of that type of arrangement. You can get the same services at a small business development center, plus they know the local lenders. And they go, you know what? You may want to go talk to Ed down the street. He's done this type of transaction before, and he's a good guy. And that's that's how it starts. Well, if they go to the Small Business Development Center score, for example, I mean, so do they take the loan and then go directly to the SBA or, well, because my, and my point is, you know, the big, the big, uh, everybody's all excited about these lenders that come in and I'm a preferred lender. And can you talk to, uh, to the audience about what a preferred lender is and whether or not they can go bypass them and go right to the SBA themselves. Yeah, that, that's a great question. Number one is no, 
they do not process the loan for you. They will put you in a situation that allows you to present documentation to a lender to help smooth that process. So they're going to say, hey, um, it's June. You got to get your taxes done. They're not going to talk. They're not going to make this loan on an extension. You got to do it. Or, or they will take, uh, they'll help you with your projections, with your business plan. More importantly, as I alluded to earlier, they will be very specific. So, okay, what do you really need? Is it a $50,000 loan or maybe we need 125000 So they'll walk you through that process. Then they may know a uh, preferred lender. They may make a referral or you may have to make some more phone calls. Preferred lender is very simple. What the theory is that you will never, if you apply for an SBA loan, you will never see anybody from SBA. The bank, the lender has the ability to approve the loan on behalf of the government. To get that status, you obviously have to meet certain benchmarks and you're audited and there's a lot of stuff going on, but you will never see anybody from SBA in your office. You're going to deal strictly with the lender. Okay. Well, th- thank you for that. I mean, I, I've, I, I guess I when you had said um, when you had talked about the SBDC, I, I I didn't I didn't think of it that way. I always figured that you know the the deals were being sourced through the the various banks, and I I I, I just didn't. It, it could be it could it, it, it was a personal relationship. Yeah, I get and it. that Sally knows Carolyn, and and Carolyn works for the bank, and Sally says, you know what? I think, I think let me make a referral to you, and, and she may make an introduction. I got another piece of advice for you, which you, your audience may want to take advantage of. It's something called your SBA called Lender Match. It's free. Again, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur, so whenever I hear things like free, I, my ears perk up. But on this one, you, you don't have to go through a loan broker. You go in and you input some basic information, such as how much money do you want? What type of industry do you have? Where are you located? And then, and are you a startup? Have you been around for five years? This is, a lot of lenders won't, won't deal with you unless you have at least two years for the financials. And then SBA will take that information and based on filters that the local lender has, um, and, and you know, I'm in Austin, Texas, and there may be, and I want uh, $150,000, um, they'll spit out referral directly to the lender. And I apologize, I should give these stats to you, but I was at a conference last week and they've done a tremendous amount of loans. I'm not going to guess, but it's been very successful for a lot of entrepreneurs as well as lenders. I was going to say that's a, that's worth the price of admission. I, I did not know that uh, they had such a thing. Now, can the business, the business owner or the business buyer or prospective business buyer, um, I mean, they can make that application or do they need someone to do no, it no, 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 no. That's online. Um, it's just Google SBA lender match and bam, you're right in there. And they're also coming out with further enhancements to make it easier later this summer. No, you just go in there and uh, put in basic information in your email address and bam, if there's a lender who's interested in what you put in, they'll contact you. Okay. I'll put that in the show. And notes. lenders are doing that. Lenders are getting a lot of business that way. Good for them. So it, 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 it is not, it's not a waste. It's it's not a waste of your time to do that. No, not at all. In fact, I think it just uh, accelerated the process. Um, being sensitive to your time, uh, my last question is: So, I mean, you've given us so many different things to think about. Is there is there one piece of advice that would have the most immediate impact on the on their lending process and 
And if so, what would that be? Uh, how much time do we have left? I have about 60 minutes worth of comments. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Um, I would, I'm, I'm going to, uh, all right, I'll give you my top three. I know you said one, but I'm going to give you top three. Uh, think about where you want your business in five years. Um, the world is consistently changing. I'm stealing the Mark Cuban line that you do not live as an adult in the world you grew up in as a child, and you're not going to like it. My comment is the world is not, when you start a business five years from now, that business is going to be different than how you started it. Classic is restaurants. Restaurants are going from a in-table dining <laughs> operation to delivery. And if, and if you're, unless you're a restaurant owner and you're figuring out how to deliver the food, and maybe that's a larger kitchen, less dining tables, whatever, think about where you want to be in five years. The corollary to that is make sure you Amazon-proof your business. Do you have a line? Do you have something that Amazon can do? Um, dentist, Amazon doesn't know how to drill teeth yet. So if you're a dentist, I think you're okay. My final comment is go where the money is. Find out community banks, credit unions are amazing sources of small business loans. And I would find out the local Rotary, Elks, Water Buffalo, whatever the association is, join those groups, network with them. And that way, it, uh, you're not walking into a bank cold. They say, oh, I, hey, I know Bob. He's been in Rotary for six months. And yeah, he was on the volunteer committee for raising money. And um, hey, I just heard he wants to buy a business or he wants to sell his business. So th those are my three takeaways. All right. Well, like I said, I, I've learned so much from you. Oh my goodness. I, I, you, you kind of changed my, my, the way I would, I'll position our, our shop, you know, from, from this point <laughs> forward. So uh, I guess what's the best way we can connect with you or the audience connect uh, with you? Easy. Yeah. Bob at comareport.com. Send me an email. If you're interested in I, what we do is we do a main street and these are for now, I write for lenders, so I, I, there's a lot of other really, really good people who cover small business entrepreneurs, so I, 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 don't, I don't write content for the entrepreneur. I write it for the lender, but if you want a sort of inside base about what lenders think, I, <clears throat> we do uh, Main Street Monday, uh, SBA Hot Topic Tuesday. I do a podcast every Wednesday, and, and maybe I need to reciprocate to have you on that, yeah, and then, uh, of course... Uh, Movers and shakers talk about people are moving and fraud fighting. Okay, well, I'll, so tell, I'll, I'll tell you the 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 funny thing is that so many so many business buyers are coming coming to our shop that are that are considerably more sophisticated and versed, and and it won't yes. be the first time that I, that I've seen some of some of your content that's sitting there. So I I'm. Uh, I would imagine that there's an awful lot of buyers that that would would love to know um, would love to know how how best to work with the where, how the lenders are are working what's going on yeah. with them and 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 and, and I I'm pretty good at email and if you have someone just shoot me an email say hey Bob I'm looking for X amount of dollars I need a loan out of Atlanta do you have a lender and I can give you a couple names so, and I don't charge for that by the way. <laughs> well, you know what? I, I I don't I don't think uh you would be in business for as long as you have uh not being generous with uh with with your Rolodex, you know? Yeah, 
know, you're, yeah, obviously you make, thank you, that's great timing, but you make referrals to, to lenders and they, they tend to buy it. You know, how, how I make money is I sell to lenders. And that's and uh, they they buy my stuff, so it's cool. And they got great. and they got deep pockets. Yeah. <laughs> well, fair enough. But banks are difficult to sell to. Amen, Amen to that. <laughs> the good news is, once you're in, you're in. But to to get that first sale is is, is tough. It's tough. Yeah. I got him. Well, Bob, I can't thank you enough for your time. It, it has been uh, a pleasure on so many different levels. So again, thank you so much for, for joining us and uh, we'll, we'll see you soon. Thank you, Ed. Enjoyed it. Thank you for joining us today on the Defenders of Business Value podcast. If you're preparing your business for sale now or in the future, visit www.valuebuilders.us to begin your journey to, to maximum, maximum saleable value. value. And if you want more episodes jam-packed with strategies to maximize value of your business, visit defendersofbusinessvalue.com. Better yet, subscribe now so you don't ever miss an episode. This program is copyrighted MySo Incorporated. All rights reserved.